Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson, and it's so great to have you here with us on this Tuesday, June 27th of 2023. The NBA draft has come and gone, and yet again, the Duke Blue Devils have players selected. Derek Lively II and Derek Whitehead find their new NBA homes, and we discuss that throughout today's show. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore as Lockdown Blue Devils is your daily podcast devoted to everything going on inside the life of Duke Athletics. Also, make sure you take this opportunity to subscribe to us on YouTube if you're watching the show there each and every day. Again, your support means the absolute world to us here at Locked on Blue Devils. So without further ado, I want to bring on my colleague, my co-host for today's shows and festivities. It's none other than my good pal, Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham. Kevin, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you, my friend? I'm good, JJ. How about you? I can't complain. Can't complain. Certainly excited to see the draft come and go last week and to now know the update, to now know the landing spots for Derek Lively II and Derek Whitehead. Uh, I, I guess we'll get into each of them specifically in just a moment. But first, opening thoughts, Kevin, just your take on another year. And yet again, Duke finds themselves with more first round draft picks being added to the story. Well, yeah, I think the, the surprising thing was that there was only two players that went into the NBA draft. I think um, typically when you get a heralded freshman class coming in for Duke, you expect um, anywhere probably between three to five freshmen, or I should say players, leave for the NBA draft. Even look at last year's team, um, three first-round picks right off the bat and and the number one overall pick in Paolo Bancaro, then Mark Williams and A.J. Griffin as well. So um, this year only two players put their names in. Both got picked in the first round. So um, adding to the already – high-profile stats that this program has at putting players in the NBA. Yeah, we keep having to track where these players end up. Again, later in the week, we'll see the start of NBA free agency, so a couple of former Blue Devils might have new homes going into next season. But we know early about new homes for two guys, the most recent draftees into the NBA, starting with Derek Lively II. He was selected by the Dallas Mavericks, 12th overall, a lottery pick for D-Live. As you're watching the first Eight to ten picks kind of unfold, Kevin. What thoughts are you having as we're anticipating Derek Lively could go at any given moment? Yeah, well, we we talked about on the show last week how um, some things that I was hearing and reading in mock drafts and everything was that Derek Lively was being picked as high as number 10 overall to the Dallas Mavericks. And once that trade happened between Oklahoma City and Dallas, um, the gear started turning that uh, Dallas maybe was going to slide back a couple of picks and take Derek Lively. And that's exactly what they did. And um, we'll, we'll get into the the fit later on, I would imagine, but it, it, it seems like it, it's perfect for Dallas. I mean, this is a team that has really lacked that big defensive anchor and rim presence in the middle. And that's what Derek Lively is going to bring this franchise. Who's um, really looking to turn things around after um, what was arguably the most disappointing season in the NBA last year. The Dallas Mavericks have a really big decision to make uh, and hope that Kyrie Irving returns after acquiring him in a midseason trade a season ago. If that happens, then you've got two former Duke players on Dallas with Irving 
and now Derek Lively the second. But to be drafted in the lottery, credit to what Lively was able to do in his freshman season. So many people really fired up and optimistic about his defensive ability going to the next level, his ability to finish around the rim with those dunks. He's definitely going to be a lob threat on Luka drives, possibly Kyrie drives. And, uh, yeah, as we do touch on that fit, I I think this is a really good landing spot for Derek. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it also boils down to the fact that you don't get picked anymore in the NBA draft based on your college stats. I mean, you look at Derek Lively's stats, certainly don't pop off the page at you. It wasn't a 20-point score or 15-point score or even 10-point score. Um, But what he did to impact teams and how they had a game plan against Duke's defense, which was one of the best in the country, that was what had him flying up draft boards, his versatility. Um, And and let's be frank, this was a player that was the number one prospect in high school coming into college um, last summer around this time. And around what, what was it, January or in December, we had conversations that was like, What's wrong with Derek Lively? Can he play at this level? Um, And he really turned it on in late January, February, and March um, that catapulted him from maybe what a lot of people thought, being a multi-year player, to being a lottery pick in in a matter of about three months. I mean, if you were a big going into the draft, Kevin, is someone like Luca the player that you're hoping to be able to team up with at the next level? Well, it has to be, especially for a player like Lively, and I think that's why it's such a good fit with Dallas, is because Luka is so ball-dominant. Now, obviously, you put Kyrie Irving there. He's very ball-dominant, too. Now, that's another issue that Dallas has to sort out that they really didn't have sorted out from the trade deadline on last year. But for Derek, Lively doesn't command the ball on offense at all, like we saw in his one year at Duke. Um, Basically, most of all of his uh, made field goals were dunks. Um, and you're not going to see a big offensive repertoire out of him, especially in his rookie year. So he's there to set screens, um, to be a big body in the paint, to defend, to block shots. And if Luca or Kyrie lobs one up right near the rim, he'll catch it and flush it home. So I think for especially what Derek Lively has shown in his skill set so far this year, or this year at Duke, I should say, um, it's a it's a perfect fit for him. Super excited for Lively's fit with the Dallas Mavericks. He was yet another lottery pick for the Duke Blue Devils, and we're adding now to lottery picks uh, under head coach John Shire, which is super exciting. His first uh, lottery selection as the Duke men's basketball head coach. We'll step aside for one quick moment, and uh, Derek Whitehead found his new NBA home. We'll discuss that coming up here in a moment on Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book that I love so much. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. Individual player props are always so amazing. I've mentioned it before, but growing up in the South, in Braves country, big-time Braves fan, and with the MLB season moving forward, you've got to take a look at some of these Ronald Acuna Jr. player props, one of the front runners to a National League MVP early in the season. So don't miss your chance to sweat, snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball. 
We move forward here with today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. JJ Jackson alongside my pal Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham. So, Kevin, next up, Dariq Whitehead drafted by the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, what do you know? Another first-round pick. We were kind of contemplating the range in which he would be drafted. Jay Billis felt pretty confident about the 25 to 30 range. Kevin, where does he ultimately end up going? He's going to the Brooklyn Nets. Hey, he's going to the Brooklyn Nets, goes in the low 20s. Um, and we talked about in the pre-draft uh, process about these two players and how Derek Lively, he kind of finds his perfect fit with the Dallas Mavericks in that they don't need him to score the ball and, and he can play basically right away, um, given that they're uh, – relative youth and inexperience on the front line. I think Derek Whitehead finds himself in a similar perfect situation as well with the Brooklyn Nets. Now you look at the Brooklyn Nets and basically cleaning, cleaning house from the James Harden, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving um, half season that they played together. And Brooklyn's a team that is good, that can make the playoffs, but let's be honest, unless something drastic happens in free agency, they're not a championship contender. And I think that's perfect for Derek Whitehead, where you have your quote unquote studs in that trade and Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson that Brooklyn got for Kevin Durant. And they're really good pros that Derek Whitehead can learn for. And I think more importantly, he's not going to feel rushed coming back onto the floor um, for Brooklyn, at least to start the year. Now, I know the reports are that he's going to be good to go for training camp, and we'll see if those reports are, in fact, true. He's not going to play in summer league beginning next week in Vegas, but um, I think Derek Whitehead finds himself in a really good spot where he can take his time, he can learn, he can develop, he can get healthy, most importantly. And then once November, December roll around, I think you're going to see the training reels potentially taken off of Derek Whitehead, and he's going to show the world what he actually really has and what we all saw in his days at Montverde um, before he committed to Duke. Yeah, beyond excited to see what Derek Whitehead can do at the next level to see if he can combine that shooting ability we saw as a college player for Duke with the ball handling and attacking skills that we saw in his high school days. So uh, for Whitehead to be drafted by Brooklyn, a team in which uh, Kyrie Irving played for a portion of last season, you've got Seth Curry, who's played meaningful games for the Brooklyn Nets in recent years. Uh, he's a free agent, so we'll see whether or not he's back and whether we have a couple of Blue Devils they're playing for Brooklyn, but there's also kind of the hometown dynamic with Whitehead's selection. Always fun when you get to see your NBA dreams come true, and not only that, Kevin, you're playing pretty much in your hometown when you're going to be able to have so many friends and families at pretty much every home game. Yeah, Derek Whitehead, a Newark, New Jersey native. Um, with traffic, it could take you about two hours to get to the Barclays Center. Without traffic, if you're going late night, it could take you about 25 minutes. So that's kind of what happens in this area, in the New York City metropolitan area with rush hour traffic. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, the Nets were his hometown team. I mean, they used to play um, in Newark at the Prudential Center. They also used to play in the Izod Center and Continental Airlines Arena um, in East Rutherford. So that was kind of his hometown team growing up before they eventually moved to Brooklyn. Now, um, I got a lot of uh, uh, comments on when I said he's he's going back home to play basketball in New York City, and everyone saying, "Oh, it's not playing in New Jersey." Well, New Jersey doesn't have a pro team anymore, and it used to be the Nets. So, um, whether you make your pick of the Knicks or the Nets from New Jersey, that's your kind of hometown team. And um, I guess Derek Whitehead will certainly say that the Nets are his hometown team since he's going to be donning that black and white jersey of Brooklyn. Yeah, and now he gets to play with them, right? Now he gets to start his NBA career. I, I think of some recent NBA picks that Duke has had that were drafted kind of in the range 
that Whitehead was drafted and there's not as much pressure, right? You still have mm-hmm. kind of the guaranteed rate that we talked about a week ago. You'd much rather be a first round pick than the financial dropout drop off that comes with being a second round selection. But given that you weren't a lottery pick, there's not as many expectations for Whitehead to produce right away. And really anything that he's able to do is almost a bonus. AJ Griffin was really effective for the Hawks this past season. You know, he was not a lottery pick, but was able to get the job done. So I'm fired up about the opportunity that Whitehead could have at the next level playing there in Brooklyn. Yeah, and let's be very clear. I mean, his broken foot significantly um, hurt him at Duke. Now, you still look at the three-point shooting numbers at close to 43%, and it's like, how did he do this basically playing on one foot? And, And also, it's worth noting that when you have these way too early mock drafts that come shortly after the year before. So after Paulo Bancaro's draft and you get those way too early 2023 mock drafts, Derek Whitehead was a projected top 10 in some people's eyes, top five pick. I mean, let's, let's make that very clear. I mean, this is one of the most decorated um, USA high school basketball players that we've ever seen at Montverde Academy under um, the legendary head coach, Kevin Boyle. So Derek Whitehead, he, he still has a ton of game and he slid down the draft because of his broken foot at Duke and um, his subsequent second surgery he needed on that here um, in early April. So it's going to be really interesting to see how his career and the trajectory of his career develops because he certainly has all the tools um, to be a really big-time player at the NBA. You're listening and watching Locked On Blue Devils here on this Tuesday. We're recapping the NBA draft, and we'll move forward talking about the NBA and talking about another story relevant to the Duke basketball program. Someone else is heading to the NBA as there are reports out there that Emil Jefferson is set to be a Boston Celtics assistant coach. Jefferson, of course, played five seasons for Duke. He was teammates in his final season with Jason Tatum, who's now the superstar for the Boston Celtics. So after a year of being on staff and as assistant coach for John Shire, Emil Jefferson appears to be heading to the NBA to be a Celtics head coach. I was really surprised by this. I just didn't see something like this on the radar. It felt much later. It is much later than you're used to seeing in those coaching carousel switch-ups. So, uh, Kevin, this one caught me off guard. Yeah, this caught me off guard a little bit too. Um, but I think you saw the – the tea leaves, at least from the Boston Celtics, um, when they got eliminated in the postseason, and obviously um, they had to throw a makeshift coaching staff basically together once the situation last summer with or last fall even with Ime Udoka. So uh, there was a lot of vacancies coming on their staff. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't really necessarily see Emil Jefferson making that leap from the college game to the NBA game so quickly. Um, you mentioned Jason Tatum. He's very good friends with him. Um, that continues to see – um, the two of them post a lot together on social media. And it, it is a significant loss for Duke in the sense that um, he was really taking over, especially Nate James's role when he left to become the head coach at Austin Peay and really coaching up those big men. And you saw the, the development of Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski in the post this season, Ryan Young as well. And he was also turning into to a pretty good recruiter. Um, he was the lead man. And Isaiah Evans, the five-star that Duke has in the class of 2024. Uh, so it, it's going to be a significant loss for Duke. Um, I got a couple of questions. Was Does this affect recruiting? And in, in the large sense, no, because still your top dog is John Shire, who was the best recruiter in the country, uh, who still is, but 
was under Mike Krzyzewski's staff. Um, and no play. I also got questions like, would players on the current roster leave because of this? And, and absolutely not. That's um, just not going to happen. I mean, they're already there, and Duke has basically put out its roster already in the in the last day or so. Um, so no, that's not going to happen. But it, it still is a significant loss um, for this Duke program. As a player, Emil Jefferson, of course, won the national championship with Duke back in 2015. 39 games played that season, uh, averaging 6.1 points and 5.8 rebounds per game. And again, played five seasons for Duke, a very, very experienced Duke basketball player and someone that will always be a part of the brotherhood. No questions asked there, but a really cool opportunity for him to go to the NBA. And so, um, as most coaches would say, we wish him nothing but the best and uh, excited to see what he could do next. Now the question becomes, what about the open spot on the bench, Kevin? That's something that a lot of people are trying to uh, ponder this past season. Duke, of course, had another man on the bench in the special assistant to the head coach role occupied by Mike Schrage, who was the Elon Phoenix head men's basketball coach for a number of years. He seems like a likely candidate to slide over into one of those assistant coaching jobs. But you have to wonder if it could be someone else. I mean, John Shire always keeps us on our toes when we're waiting to find out who could fill that spot. Well, yeah, and and actually that's not the name that's really going around right now. It looks like he's going to stay as the special assistant to the head coach. And you heard this name being floated around before the news of Emil Jefferson that he might join the coaching staff in some capacity, and that's former Duke guard William Avery. And now it seems like there's a spot open for him to be an assistant coach and he could join the staff as that uh, replacement for Emil Jefferson. So um, there's been nothing official yet, but that's kind of the popular name that everyone's floating around right now that William Avery is going to join the staff. And it's pretty funny how things come full circle. I mean, he just got his degree from Duke um, this past May, finally went back to school and completed his degree. So um, he's officially a Duke alumni, officially a Duke graduate. And now he might be sticking around Durham a little bit longer and joining uh, the basketball staff. And had such a great career playing for the Duke basketball team. William Avery, of course, as you mentioned, a name out there to possibly be the newest assistant coach for the Duke Blue Devils. So many people really care about the fact that uh, most of the assistants did play for the Brotherhood as well and are now in those assistant coaching spots does that still matter to you, Kevin, or what do you think about this hire? Is it important to replace a former Duke player with a former Duke player? I, I don't necessarily think that. I know a lot of people get caught up in that because basically Mike Krzyzewski had, a form, uh, had his staff filled with former players. I think the one really exception that sticks out is Mike Bray. Um, but John Shire, he kind of dismissed that right from the get-go when he brought in Jai Lucas. I mean, brought him over for Kentucky. He wasn't a Duke player. He really had no other affiliation to Duke, um, and, and he joined the staff. So I don't think it's a necessity anymore that um, somebody has to be a former Duke player to join the, the coaching staff, um, but certainly it always helps to have those former players around who can relate to the players and give them their experiences when they were in the, in the, in the big moments, when they were in the spotlight, when they were under scrutiny, and just to have that relationship um, with the current players is certainly a bonus. Let's talk about, uh, I mean, first we need this news to become official, right? We need to figure out who this assistant coach will be, and we can kind of deep dive into what that role could be like in terms of developing the players on the current roster. But just a quick rundown once again to refresh people's memories on William Avery's Duke career, a two-year career for the Blue Devils, a six-foot-two point guard 
who averaged 15 points a game on the 99 team that won 32 games, 32 straight games, making it all the way to the title game before losing the national championship to UConn. And then following that game, Elton Brand, William Avery, and Corey Maggette became some of the first players to leave Duke and to leave Coach Mike Krzyzewski before ever graduating. So an all-ACC selection back in his playing days, only played two years of college ball, which to your point is why it took him a little bit longer to be able to finish that Duke degree. But, uh, man, he was a pretty special player for the Blue Devils right there at the turn of the century. Yeah, really good player. And, again, um, people talk about that Duke team as one of the best not to win a national championship. Um, And talking with some people around that team and around that program, it's like that loss still haunts them. That they, oh, yeah. didn't win, that they didn't win that game and win that national championship. Like, that's one of those losses that um, if you're a Duke fan, Duke player, um, support staff, yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera, like that one is always going to sting deep down inside no matter how many days and weeks and months and years and decades pass on. So let's wait and see. Let's wait and see who takes on this new assistant coach spot for John Shire on his staff moving forward. Kevin, it's always a pleasure to have you here on the podcast with us. Once again, you are the site expert for Ball Durham. Balldurham.com is a great website to visit. Tell us a little bit about it as you exit. Yeah, so we, we're full up right now on uh, players on campus, getting you some measurements, some jersey numbers, obviously a ton of recruiting going on this time of year. Um, so we're all on top of that. We'll be on top of Summer League with Derek Lively. Um, it's not just rookies that are in Summer League. You'll see Jack White. You'll see Wendell Moore, Theo John. We'll get a lot of Duke players out in summer league. So when that gets underway at the beginning of July, we'll be all over that as well. So come read us at balldurham.com and follow us on Twitter at ball underscore Durham. Kevin, you're the best. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks JJ. All right. That's our pal, Kevin Conley, the site expert for ball Durham joining us here on the program today. And that's going to do it for our show today. Super exciting stuff. Talking everything you need to know about the NBA draft and Emil Jefferson set to take on a new coaching role leaving Duke University. That'll do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.